0: It is weird being with so many people all of a sudden, right? Especially after a year and a half of just quarantine, right? You're seeing literally, you know, person-to-person interaction here. Just like the hum of CRTs, it's it's, uh, it's definitely a nostalgic kind of sound. Yeah. So the areas are divided between uh, melee and ultimate. But even, even the melee setups are on uh, LCD screens now, which is definitely a lot easier. Um. Yeah, from what we can tell, like everyone is very... very well coordinated. Everyone's masks. I'm seeing a lot of more traditional KN95 masks and uh, surgical masks than um, simple cloth ones or simple bandanas. Um. <laughs> Definitely a lot of excitement. So right now we're at the, I guess, the registration desk? Uh, uh, yeah,
1: check-in desk. The check-in desk. And I just, I was just
0: curious, like, uh, when it comes to proof of vaccination, like, are people generally providing them? Is Are you guys running into any issues? Any protests, anything like that?
1: Yeah, um, for the most part, we're having no issues. Most people are prepared, and they were aware of the requirement. Uh, there are a few exceptions to that, and those are big exceptions. But there are some people that come and... Uh, I don't want to say that they definitely knew and pretended to not but it seems kind of like that like i would be surprised if you came all this way and you weren't prepared but there are some people that are just have no test results no vaccine card nothing and for the most part those people are down to go and get a rapid test done at the pharmacy nearby but there are a few exceptions to that that are a little more indignant about it but for the most part vast majority of people have been totally cool and chill with it and uh it's been really smooth
0: yeah. I mean,
1: out of 10 people, how many would you say come in with the uh, vaccination cards? 9.9. 9, almost all of them. Yeah. We, I, I can count on two hands the amount of people that uh, had absolutely nothing and were, like, upset about having to go get tested. Yeah. There, there's only, you know, so much we can do to prove things. But um, for the most part, people are down to get tested on the spot if they have to just to get in. Um, But I think, you know, we've checked in, let's see, 1,600 people so far. And I'd say, I'd wager to guess 1,200 of those at least were with vaccine cards ready to go. And another couple hundred of those had tests. And then only maybe 100 at most didn't have either. And most of those people went and got a test and came back. I feel way better that everyone's required to either be vaccinated or have a negative COVID test and everyone's wearing masks. I think it's just way better. You know, it feels like not as many people are able to get sick this way. I think it's a really good thing. Like in my opinion, every event should be doing this.
2: I was really, really looking forward to being back at a major just because, you know, I get to see all these people I know, get to play against like the best players. Um, just the environment's really exciting. So yeah, it's it feels really great being back.
0: Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Esports Podcast Network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide. Over the past year, Super Smash Brothers has been hit particularly hard amid the coronavirus pandemic, as we've discussed on this show, due to the lack of reliable competitive multiplayer over the internet. Simply put, the scene struggled maybe more than any other esport. Aside from an impact on the play, it's also faced a reckoning, as multiple top players, commenters, and influencers have been accused of sexual abuse, with many being banned from competing in nearly all notable tournaments. So this past weekend, we traveled to Round Rock, Texas, a suburb just outside of Austin and home to Low Tide City, one of the first major tournaments since last February. We spoke to some of its attendees, some who you heard in the intro, as well as Rob Oracle Dixon, one of the lead organizers of the event. I'm sitting down with the tournament organizer for Low Tide City, Rob Oracle Dixon. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on the show with us. No problem. Yeah, so first of all, the venue's beautiful and it does seem that the event is going off without too many hitches. I mean, so, so far, I mean, how has the event been uh, right now we're on the second day?
2: It's been really good so far. No major hiccups. Um, things have been running smoothly. You know, there's always a little fires to put out. Yeah. You know, it's been kind of surreal because it's been you know, almost or over two years, I guess, at this point, since the last time I hosted a big event. So I kind of forgot what it was like to plan. It was like, oh, should I be worried? You know, is this normal to feel this way? Are we good? But uh, no, it's been going off really well. I mean, in planning for this event, what was your biggest worry? Um, you know, it's been pretty straightforward. I haven't had too many big worries the size of Ultimate right so it kind of immediately blew up to uh, originally it was going to be a 512 cap uh and that filled up in like 18 hours or something um so we expanded it to 1028 which we hadn't done before hit that cap uh, and then expanded it again to 1280 and it didn't fully hit that cap but it's i think over 1100 people in smash ultimate so Extremely large bracket, but I mean, we, uh, yeah, you know, we just had, we had, we've had enough time and resources to be able to properly accommodate for that. So, so far, you know, we're right now over halfway done, uh, with the, uh, with the pools. So we're looking pretty good.
0: I mean, including staff, including attendees, how many people are we looking at for this event?
2: Um... Over, I would say, probably in the twenty three to twenty five hundred range. Yeah, there's on Smash GG, there's two thousand, a little bit more than two thousand registered add in staff, add in, um, you know, media. People have been buying spectator passes at the door. So
0: I mean, since we're in Round Rock, Texas, which is obviously in the state of Texas, the the COVID restrictions here are are extremely lax. Um, I, I assume any kind of safety protocols would be coming from the Collier Resort. Itself. I mean, what kind of uh, safety measures have they and have you guys been trying to implement to ensure everyone's safety?
2: Well, I mean, masks. Obviously, we're all sitting at this table wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one was vaccination and negative COVID test requirements. So, yeah, um, you know, the Texas governor had made kind of a big deal about not wanting anybody to require vaccines at all. Yeah. Um, You know, we worked closely with Riptide and they announced that they were requiring vaccines or a negative COVID test, um, a few weeks before their event. And we were really worried that, you know, if we did that, we would face the ire of, you know, the governor or some, you know, some group, right. We, we thought it would be a big deal being in Texas. Thankfully, um, you know, the smash community is very understanding of that sort of thing. So when we made that announcement, everything's been good. And and, I mean, we've been doing standard COVID event protocols, uh, you know, sanitizers everywhere, masks required. We're giving out masks, temperature checks at the door, that sort of thing.
0: So no Texas police officers coming here to shut down the event?
2: (laughs) Not that I know of. Uh, I mean, fingers crossed, there's still a day and a half left.
0: (laughs) Uh, You know, how do you ensure that everyone is vaccinated or has a negative test?
2: Uh, so it's required to pick up your badge so it's kind of a two-stage security uh checkpoint so they will look at your vaccination card or negative COVID test uh when you pick up your badge so if you don't have it you don't get your badge and then if you don't have a badge security won't let you in um to the event
0: okay okay so there are like two stages of this and the COVID vaccination part happens at badge pickup yes and then at security checkpoint they don't do that they just try to make sure your bag is and they do they
2: do a temperature check you know a little bit of redundancy and then you know standard bag checks as well Um, but yeah so that way you don't have to flash your vaccine card every time you go in the venue right so it's just a one time and we've got uh you know we have the list of all the people who registered so we've marked that we verified yeah you know vaccination card uh negative covet test that we're good to go
0: um, now, when it comes to the testing, does it have to be a PCR test or is a rapid test? Okay.
2: Um, the rapid test is okay. Um, we we recommended the uh, PCR test. Yeah.
0: Do you do you have any idea what percentage of people came in with vaccination cards versus
2: um, just negative tests? I do not. I would have to go check and see if we have those numbers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious as to like where it breaks down. Is it seventy percent vaccination cards and thirty percent negative? Or yeah, like I said, it is. Yeah. I'm not one hundred percent sure. And then beyond that, I mean, I know at um, Riptide, there was a small COVID scare. Um, There was was somebody who reported as COVID positive, but uh, they showed no symptoms of it. Um, Have you had any instances of that happen so far? I know we're only- We have not. So
2: from what we've seen, nobody has reported that they've found out that they've had COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So we've been keeping an eye out for that in case we need to take any drastic measures, but- um, nothing so far
0: um and then i mean when that does happen if it does happen what is the protocol
2: um the protocol there would be to kind of take count of what we can take count of right so obviously the events are kind of an open space but we have we're fairly confident in the we're confident in the procedures that we have taken right so even if they if they did have COVID, write masks on at all times. Yeah. Everybody else is vaccinated. Yeah. Um, so we would go and find probably the staff people who ran those pools, um, you know, urge people, right, make the public announcements. If you're in this pool, make sure to go get tested, you know, yeah. due to this incident. I see, I see, I that see. That sort of thing. And I mean, with the tournament going as
0: it is so far, um, beyond just any scares uh, you know, with COVID and whatnot, mm. What are the other major challenges that you're having to deal with?
2: Um, I mean, I feel like if I say on the microphone that it's been pretty straightforward, <laughs> that something's going to go wrong immediately. <laughs> um, I mean, logistics has been a problem, not a problem, but yeah. um, always something to deal with with events, especially because we have so many. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, two different side events for melee and ultimate melee and ultimate singles, five different fighting game events. Um, right. So kind of coordinating, getting everybody in the right spot, um, has been, I mean, it's, it's been, I guess you could say it's been a challenge, but I've been doing this for a while. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty understood on how to deal with those problems.
0: No, I mean, I echo your earlier sentiments, you know, walking into a venue, a Smash venue after after a very long time and seeing people very close to each other but competing and being really enthused. It, I mean, how do I sum this up? It it really does feel like things are starting to swing back to normal.
2: Yeah, I mean it's been it's been an interesting few years, right? You know, so like I said, um, kind of haven't hadn't been as active in the Smash community after LTC seven. We're working on we were working on a big uh, LTC expansion. So it was going to be low tier city expo and adding in a full mm-hmm. vendor booth and a bunch of other stuff to the event. And it all fell through because of COVID. Um, right, no events. And that was one of my main hobbies. So it's been kind of, you know, difficult, but you adapt to changing, changing circumstances, but it's just been so, it's so strange. You step into the event and, a lot of things are different, you know, some pe- people have uh, gotten older, look a little different, but a lot of <laughs> things are exactly the same as I remember. Them. It's like st- it's like I woke up from a from a 2-year coma, you know, straight into the Smash tournament. <laughs> it's uh really cool to see you know, it like for the community has always been my favorite aspect of it. You know, just people hanging out with their friends, seeing people they haven't in a long time. You know, I've seen people who just come up and said hi to me, who I basically only ever see at big events. So for me, it's been like two, two plus years since I've seen them. So um, yeah, it's definitely been really nice to catch up with people.
0: Regardless of COVID, a lot of players in 2020 have kind of had a reckoning, or, uh, especially in regards to their behavior, certain actions, whether it be sexual harassment or just the way they behaved. And that's led to a lot of, self-exiles and outright bans for certain players. Uh, I mean, how have you guys been dealing with some of that? Are, have there been players that the scene has maybe largely kicked out that are that were trying to come into, to the venue and to try to compete? Um, have you had any issues regarding that at all?
2: We haven't had any like tournament issues with that. I think it's, it's pretty clear at this point that those people are not welcome in the community. So we've seen people come back, but usually what that means is they're on YouTube or they're on Twitch. They're not trying to come to these events because they know it's not going to be good for them right if they do that the community the people who actually show up to the events you know have made it clear and they're not wanted there
0: and you know as somebody who's um i guess an organizer for the community in a lot of ways uh definitely when a lot of these accusations came out there were maybe other esports communities that were definitely pointing to something that was maybe intrinsically wrong with the Smash community or the mentality of the community in general. Uh, But given the reaction and given um, how tense everyone's been, I mean, what does that say to you about the Smash community at large? Um,
2: Well, you know, it's hard to make a judgment. Mm -hmm. I've worked with a lot of different esports. And I'll be honest, this has been something that kind of has taken a toll on me because as an organizer and not to brag former top project m player assuming y'all can print <laughs> yeah, print yeah. about those games <laughs> um i've worked with a lot of these people you know went out and you hang out and yeah you know to me uh you know frankly as a man it, they seem fine right but that's the thing you you never really know somebody um you know until you're you i don't have the same my interactions with that with people like that you know they're not as dangerous right as you know someone who is more vulnerable yeah so some somebody can seem fine to me and then it turns out you know they've done all of this these horrible things and it really just makes you think right um going back to what you said about the other esports communities you know it's that's something that i've considered too like what if something is wrong with the with the Smash Bros community you know you think about it logically and it's just like any male dominated space mm-hmm. you know tough for women easy for predators uh, and that just you know you you mix those two things up and horrible stuff will start to happen you you know bad faith actors get empowered um but you know maybe maybe there is something wrong with the smash community but that's kind of the thought process that i had and you know seeing people that i thought were okay in my limited interactions with them uncover this terrible side to them um you know it's it sucks and it sucks to see the community that i've worked really hard to kind of foster and grow you know things that i thought were okay were hurting people Uh, that's been kind of very upsetting for me personally. Um, but I think the positive side of it is that, um, you know, because so many, uh, people were brave enough to come forward with their stories and out there, out the perpetrators, uh, of these incidents, right. The smash community is better off. So we've made we have made sure people have people know that you know it's okay to come out. We'll support you, uh, and with that as the case, we've gotten rid of a lot of bad people. And so, one could argue, in that in the other esports scenes, you know, maybe something is wrong with the Smash community that it attracts creeps. But maybe those guys are still in hiding in the other communities, and they just haven't been outed yet, which is the really scary thing. You know, uh, that's. Yeah, I know I've been kind of rambling, but... No, no, no. Uh, um, you know, another player...
0: I do want to ask about a specific player who uh, recently made an apology video, um, Aziz Hax Olyami, uh, definitely one of the most prominent melee players who had uh, essentially was creating these uh, accusatory videos of uh, Leffen, mm-hmm. um, which, forced, which prompted a lot of tournaments to essentially call it quits with him in a lot of ways. Um, and I mean, he made his apology video, and uh, does Riptide, Low Tide City, is there any like, kind of official reaction to that?
2: um i don't want to comment on that sort of apology video and the validity of it Mm -hmm. um if you want the organization will not make a comment on that he's not here Mm -hmm. um you know given given the nature of it we probably we would not feel comfortable with him at the event but in terms of you know the validity of the apology video if you want my personal opinion um you know it's it's a video right actions speak louder than words and let me let me rephrase this let me let me think about how i'm gonna put this no feel free Yeah, i'm just not i'm not super i didn't watch the video Mm -hmm. i didn't uh i don't want to make too many comments on it from my Mm -hmm. cursory glance um right the feelings that hacks has expressed are not um they indicate to me that he's going through something very difficult Um, right and so i don't want to psychoanalyze or say you know this is wrong with him or the apology video is okay or or whatever um it's just kind of a horrible situation that's been magnified by social media that um you know is kind of uncomfortable to talk about you know from an event standpoint i think there's legitimate it's it's like with any a lot of these other cases there's legitimate reason to feel uncomfortable with him at the event so he's not at the event Um, but in terms of commenting on that I think there's there's a lot of Yeah, I'm. I'm just not super comfortable yeah. making a call there.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is that like the Smash community isn't, let's say, like the NBA that has. There's like this overarching structure.
2: Yeah, that's that's the real the real messy thing, right? That's one of the other reasons you don't see this in other esports, because Smash is all grassroots and the organizers don't you know, they're all individual that it's ultimately just individual events. Yeah. Whereas if you're, you know, a player for the Overwatch League, you are effectively in, an employee. Yeah. And at some point there's probably somebody from HR who sits you down and says, here's a list of things. If you do them, you are gone. Right. And so they kind of can enforce that. Whereas in Smash, there's no, you know, unifying body. It's all grassroots community. No, not organizational, which you know, has its upsides as someone who has worked with a lot of these more organized, hierarchical organizations, but it, this is an obvious downside of it, is that there's no one to kind of objectively.
0: There is one company that is trying to set the rules, that company being Nintendo. Um, when it comes to the, the, your series of tournaments, have, have there been any issues with Nintendo, any calls to Nintendo regarding you know the the events that you can and cannot play and um broadcast uh, rights or anything like that
2: yeah I thought we we tweeted that Nintendo yeah cut out Nintendo contacted us and asked us to remove beyond melee uh project plus and sixty four remix from our event yeah so and um if the tournament hypothetically had
0: uh not adhered to those wishes, what would have happened do you do you have any idea
2: um Is this we do am i crazy we all know what's what happens right (laughs) so so let's let's spell it out for uh i'll spell this situation out because i've been around this is not the first time that this has happened just so everybody understands why tournament organizers make the decisions that they do copyright law very outdated so under most interpretations broadcasting a video game right is considered redistributing in the same way that if you were rebroadcasting a movie that means the company that created it effectively has you know rights over any broadcast or any use of their product uh so given that information nintendo ostensibly has the right to say anything you're doing with smash bros ultimate or melee or any of their games yeah, you can't do that. So they could shut down your broadcast. They could shut down your tournament. And so when they ask you to, uh, you know, remove these games, the implicit idea is that if you don't, they have the power to shut down the entire event. Yeah. So they don't, they didn't threaten me. You know, they didn't say we're going to shut down the entire event if you don't do this. But I understand that that, could happen if I don't. And so when they contact you and say, you need to do this, and they don't tell you what happens if you don't, you know, I can, I can understand what would happen if I don't.
0: And I'm curious as I, like you said, like a lot of this copyright law is very outdated and we've had episodes of the show where we brought on lawyers who essentially kind of broke down the complications with, um, IP and especially video game IP and how it's distributed and streamed. This is a lot of stuff just hasn't been litigated yet. There aren't a lot of judges that are exactly. Really caught yeah, up it's, it's I mean, that's, this, yeah.
2: that's something that's come up multiple times. This hasn't been tested in court. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's all this is just the gener- most people's general understanding is this is almost certainly how it would work. Yeah. And nobody wants to be the one to test it. I can tell you right now, I don't I'm not going to be, you know, spending 10 years of my life in court with Nintendo <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what could happen. You know, they could just draw it out and ruin your life basically for trying to fight that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. But uh, I guess as somebody who's kind of on the outside, I am curious as to see what could happen if such a lawsuit were to actually go to court. I, I think a lot of people are um, apart from the the horrible financial <laughs> brunt that uh, somebody would have to face. But to see like what courts could theoretically decide regarding this, because it, it does affect a lot of scenes.
2: I would just say that I think we, we pretty much understand how that would go if it were tested. Like I think the likelihood given, you know, the state of the government and the people running the government currently, um, it's unlikely that this sort of, uh, individual rights sort of thing versus, uh, you know, the rights of large corporations, it's easy to see how that would probably play out. I mean i think it's it's due for an upgrade right this is not just a a project m thing you know because originally um with the whole paragon fiasco uh which was the the first instance of somebody you know canceling a project m tournament we were streaming that one but the organizers were not the ones who were told to nintendo didn't contact the organizers of that one to tell them uh they couldn't stream it it was twitch Mm -hmm. from what i heard You should probably fact check this before putting (laughs) this in, but I'm fairly certain that it was Twitch, right? And why would Twitch be interested? And it goes back to the media rights, right? Nintendo could say, yeah, Twitch, you know, you're making, you've got a cool little business going on, but uh, yeah, you have to cut all Nintendo games. And in fact, they did that around the same time, six or seven years ago, if you remember, I think the Nintendo creator program was what it was called, where they, you know, basically said, Oh yeah, you can make your YouTube videos of our content, but we're going to take a cut or, you know, this very overreaching thing that no other developers were doing. So, yeah. you know, it goes back to DMCA stuff, right? Um, a lot of this is just, there's lines with video games and interactive media that haven't been drawn and what in what is and what isn't fair use. Right. And right now, the assumption is that nothing is fair use, um, which is why all of these things, all all of these ridiculous takedown practices can happen in the first place. So it's in dire need of an update. But um, personally, I think the update would have to come from, you know, new laws being introduced or laws being updated first rather than a drawn out court court battle uh, over existing laws, because I think the existing laws people's understanding of how they would be interpreted is probably pretty correct.
1: Uh, well,
0: swinging quickly back to the tournament itself. So Riptide, Low Tide, if both these events, well, I mean, one has already gone off without too many issues. If this event also goes off without too many issues, does 2022 look like a return to Smash banner year, big tournaments? Are we, are we back?
2: Um, I don't want to say anything. You know, let me, let me tell you, when we agreed to do this event in March, you know, we were thinking, Oh, you know, COVID is, is horrible right now, but it's on the upswing. We'll be good by October. You know, we'll be good. Uh, no, we were not good. And we've, you know, I'm confident in what we've been able to do. And thankfully the vaccine availability and, you know, quality has really gotten up there. So, um, People who want to protect themselves can, but still, it makes me super hesitant to just say, we're back, you know, start hosting, just getting everybody in your vein. It, it looks like that. I can tell you it looks like that. Um, and I definitely want to be the optimist, but I can also tell you it looked like that six months ago when we were planning this event. And, you know, then we had to require vaccines and, you know, implement extra COVID protocols and all of this stuff. So I would say I'm cautiously optimistic, but you know, we're still in a pandemic, you know, we're still limited, uh, in what we can do and it's always going to be messy. There's no objective measure to this. There's not going to be like a mark report more like we're, we all agree. Okay. It's done. You know, everybody take your masks off and throw them into the air. Uh, so it's going to be, difficult to make that judgment call when everything is perfectly okay. I think it is going to be more of a gradual thing. Um, right. So rather than kind of an explosion of events, I think it will be a slow trickle, right? Events will be slowly coming back. You've kind of seen, you know, it's not quite the density of past years, but, uh, events are, events are coming back. Some are, they're spaced out. Uh, I think you can absolutely, uh, responsibly hold the safely, responsibly and safely hold a major Smash tournament. Um, I just think it needs to be done with caution.
1: Well,
0: Rob, thank you so much for giving us your time.
2: No problem. And that was FTW
0: with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to FTWAhmad.com. To follow Oracle, you can find him on Twitter at OracleTX. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode is produced by Henrique Damore and Jacob Wolfe. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. Our research assistant is Ham Higgins. And with that, we'll catch you guys next week.